business. Thanks for coming out tonight. I wrote me a manual, a step-by-step booklet for you to get. Now I make money move. What up, what up, what up, guys? Welcome back to the Fitness Times Business Podcast, the show created to provide you with the practical and strategic advice to help you level up in fitness, business, your career, your relationships, and your life. My name is Joseph Mansell. I am your host. Something a little different in this episode for you guys. Late in 2021, I was invited to present a keynote speech. Uh, I was invited by CBC, Christian Brothers College, which for those of you uh, who haven't heard of it before, it's one of the top private all boys high schools here in the city of Adelaide in South Australia. And CBC invited me to, prevent, uh, to present a keynote speech to their year 12 cohort in 2021, their, uh, their school leavers. And so I wanted to achieve a few things with this keynote speech. Firstly, there were three main messages that I wanted to get across, and I wanted to get them across in a way that intertwined into the fabric of my journey and, and, and my story. So I tell a lot of the different uh, crucial elements of my personal story in this keynote speech with the intention of getting across three main messages. The first one uh, is to lean into your curiosity. The second one is to explore the antidotes to the three fears that prevent most of us from pursuing what it is we really want to do with our lives. And then the third message was how I personally deal with things that happen that are outside of my control. So I'm going to share the full keynote speech with you guys in this episode uh, from, from start to finish. Uh, I think you guys are really going to enjoy uh, the not just the story element, but the actual messages that come through in this keynote. It was very, very well received by, uh, by all of the school leavers and by CBC. Uh, I hope you guys got a lot of value out of it. As always, the one thing I ask, if you do enjoy this keynote speech, make sure you share the show. It's the way that we grow the show. Uh, share it person to person. Take a screenshot in your favorite uh, podcasting platform. Post it in your Instagram story. Tag me. You guys know the drill. Uh, and I appreciate every, each and every one of you who does that uh, for every show that you guys take value from. So without further ado, my keynote speech to Christian Brothers College. Thank you to CBC for inviting me to come and speak uh, to you gentlemen this morning. I know it's, uh, it's an interesting time in your lives. You're about to close a 12 to 13 year long chapter, um, that being school and high school and open up a new chapter of your lives. Uh, and uh, I know a bunch of you are probably a little bit nervous about that. Maybe some of you have a plan, maybe some of you don't have a plan. Uh, and my goal today is to bring you something a little bit different. You know, Mr. Farina mentioned earlier that you've, you, you've had a few talks over, I mean, the course of the year, but definitely the last few weeks. You know, your drug and alcohol talks, your sexual consent talks, those sorts of things. This talk is gonna be completely different. This talk is about real life. It's about my real life experience from when I was sitting in your position, uh, you know, as a, a 17, 18 year old about to graduate year 12 to where I am now as a, as, a, as a 35 year old and how my life has progressed over almost the last 20 years. So the first thing I like to do, I like to get a little bit of a feel for the room so I can make sure I'm delivering as much value to you guys as possible. So real quick by show of hands, do any of you, have you followed me, me personally on social media? Have you heard of Massive Joes? Have you watched any content, maybe a supplement review or podcast, pop your hands up. I want to see if you guys are familiar. Okay, so we've got a few. So I get to meet you guys for a bunch of you guys for the first time today. All right, secondly, hands up if you guys have a plan for 
next year at least, the year after, if you know what you're going to do, maybe you're going to uni, maybe you're going to go and pursue a sporting career, maybe you're doing trades. Okay, good. And now how many of you have absolutely no idea what you're going to be doing next year moving forward? Okay, so we've got some, a few there as well. All right, so what I'm going to do for you guys today is I'm going to deliver my keynote speech to you, which is going to be based primarily on my personal life story thus far. And I've got some messages that I'm going to present to you guys through my story. Uh, and that's going to go for probably 30, 35 minutes or so. And then at the end, if we have time, I want to open up for some Q&A. So if you guys have any questions about what the next chapter of your life looks like, as I tell my story, if you have any questions about my story that you want me to dive deeper into, the Q&A is really an opportunity for me to get really granular with you guys and deliver as much personalized information and advice as I possibly can. So just to introduce myself uh, and to add a little bit to how Mr. Farina introduced myself. So my name is Joseph Mensel. I am the founder, owner, CEO, boss, whatever you want to call me, of a couple of different companies. One of them is Massive Joe's and the other one is TMJ Apparel. Uh, if you're not, not familiar with these two companies, Massive Joe's is a supplement, sports supplement, retail, importation, distribution, wholesale media company. If there's something to do with sports supplements, that is what Massive Joe's does. TMJ Apparel, on the other hand, is an activewear brand. So we manufacture women's activewear, men's activewear, workout accessories, training aids. If you're exercising, we've got apparel or, or workout accessories for you. I also, myself, I'm a professional men's physique athlete, which is a form of bodybuilding, more on that a little bit later, in the International Federation of Bodybuilding, which for bodybuilding is the equivalent of the NBA for basketball. It's the biggest, it's the best league. I'm a professional athlete in that league. I also, through my bodybuilding pursuits, I run the amateur side of the IFBB here in South Australia. So if any of you end up competing in a bodybuilding show, maybe in the next few years, maybe later on in your life, we'll probably cross paths. Um, you know, I, I effectively run bodybuilding here in South Australia under the IFBB. And then I run a top 100 podcast on iTunes. It's called the Fitness Times Business Podcast. And through that podcast, I've had the opportunity to do things like this, present uh, keynote speeches, and also do a lot of business mentoring. So I've been able to talk to and mentor and provide strategic and practical advice to people in a lot of different businesses outside of fitness. Uh, and I've had a lot of exposure to, uh, to a lot of different businesses. So I've experienced a lot of success in my life. And publicly on the outside, all of those things that I just told you guys about, that's what people see when they see me. That's what people think about when they think about me. What a lot of people don't know is that I've failed. I've failed time and time again in my life. I've had failed business, business ventures. I've had failed fitness ventures. I've had failed academic ventures. I've had failed relationships. I've had a failed marriage. I've failed time and time and time again. But I've always found a way to grow and develop and learn through those failures. I've always found a way to turn obstacles into opportunities, and I've always found a way to take the punches in the face that I've taken from the universe when I've least expected it, to get back up and continue moving forward. And what I wanna do for you guys today is 
tell you bits and pieces of my story. I only have 30 minutes, so I can't go into everything, but I'm going to pull bits and pieces of my story out, including a bunch of these failures. And there's three main messages that I want to deliver to you guys today. The first one is to lean into your curiosity. The second one is about the three main fears that you will no doubt encounter along life's journey that will prevent you from pursuing what you truly want to do. And the third one is about the mindset that I encourage you guys to adopt when it comes to dealing with the punches in the face and the unexpected and the uncontrollable things that the universe is going to throw at you guys as you proceed down life's journey. So I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back to when I was sitting in your position right now, guys. I was 17 years old. 2003 was the year. I went to school just up the road here, Prince Alfred College, PAC. Uh, don't hold it against me. It was my parents' choice, not mine. 2003, I sat here. I had a bunch of speeches like you guys have sat through. And I was the guy that put my hand up and I said, you know what, I have a plan. I know exactly what I'm going to do. From 18 onwards, I know, I know what that looks like. And for me, that plan at the time was to play professional basketball. My goal was to go to the US, was to get into the college system, and the ultimate goal was to go right to the league, right to the NBA, and try and play in the NBA. That was my goal, that was my plan. Fortunately for me, I had very caring parents, very amazing parents, who encouraged me to have a backup plan, just in case that didn't go to plan. Uh, professional sports can be very fickle. You can deal with injuries, you can deal with politics, you can deal with being overlooked. And they wanted to make sure that, you know, if something happened that was outside of my control, I had a backup plan. And from that perspective, it looks like getting good grades. You know, get good grades so that if, you, if it doesn't work out, you can go to university, you can study what you want to study, get a good job and go down that path. And fortunately for me, I listened to their advice because Less than a year later, after I sat where you guys are sitting, put my hand up and said, I have a plan, this is what I'm going to do, I suffered a career-ending injury at 18 years old. Developed a second round of stress fractures in my back, and that was it for basketball. Game over, finished. And for me at the time, as an 18-year-old who had these big plans, I was absolutely devastated. I felt like it, my soul had been ripped out. I felt like it was completely unfair. I felt like I'd been punched in the face completely unfairly by the universe. And I had no idea what I wanted to do. No idea. So I went from, I know exactly what I'm going to do, to I have no idea what I'm going to do within the space of 12 months. Fortunately, I did have good grades. I did graduate year 12 with good grades. And so I was able to enroll in a couple of different degrees just down the road in this direction at Adelaide University. So I enrolled in mechanical engineering and law. And the reason why I did both was I was just curious. I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I lent into the curiosity around engineering, practical side, strategic thinking, and then I lent into the curiosity of law. I'd watched, um, well, Suits wasn't around back then, but Law and Order and those sorts of TV shows, and I was interested. So I was curious about it. And as I was at university, something else that piqued my curiosity, something else that grabbed my interest was bodybuilding at the university gym. I'd been introduced to weight training through basketball as strength and conditioning. How many of you play, play sport? 
<laughs> Good. <laughs> so you guys know, right? You go to the weights room, you build up your body, uh, and it helps you perform better at your sport. So I've been introduced to it, but because basketball was such a big part of my life and was my ultimate goal, I never really did anything with it. And when basketball was taken away from me, I lent into that curiosity around bodybuilding. So did a bunch of research, figured out what the shows were, trained for over a year, did my first competition when I was 19 years old in 2005, and did quite well in bodybuilding. And the next thing that kind of piqued my interest, that grabbed my interest, piqued my curiosity, was supplements. Because I thought, well, if I'm trying to compete in bodybuilding, I'm trying to get an edge over the competition, supplements is the ticket to do that. So I started looking into supplements. At the time in Australia, few and far between. There wasn't a lot of variety. There weren't a lot of products. Whereas over in the US, the market was exploding. There were some law changes over there, completely opened up the market. So I started buying and importing products from the US for me to use personally as a bodybuilder. Now, I want you guys to picture this. I'm at Adelaide University gym, right? I'm training for bodybuilding. I rock up to the gym. I got a shaker, kind of looks like this, not exactly like this. And it's got some colored stuff in it, right? And I'm sipping on this colored stuff. That's my pre-workout as I'm at the gym. No one else is having pre-workout. Maybe have a coffee or whatever. No one else is having it. We're at the gym, training. Once again, I got my shaker filled with this colored stuff, amino acids, carbohydrates, sipping it while I'm working out. Everyone else is drinking water, bottles of water, right? Post-workout, finish working out. I get my shaker, fill it up with some protein powder, go to the fountain, shake it up, drink it down. Everyone else at the uni gym goes upstairs to the uni bar, goes and grabs a schnitty and a beer, and that's their post-workout nutrition. So naturally, I was doing things that people had never seen before. And at the same time, my physique was developing. I was doing quite well as a bodybuilder, as a teenager. And so people started asking me, they said, you know, what's this, what's this colored stuff you're drinking at the gym? You know, what's this stuff you have post-workout? Why don't you come up and have a schnitty or a palmy and a beer with us? Why are you having this protein? And so I told them, and naturally they were like, well, you know, can you get me some? You know, I see you're developing, I see you're doing quite well. I want some of that, you know, cut me in on the action. So I went from importing tubs of stuff from the US to boxes of stuff, selling it at the university gym. At the time, I'm living with my parents, I'm 19 years old, living at my parents' house. Before I know it, my bedroom's full of boxes. Before I know it, it continues to grow. I'm importing pallets of stuff, dumping pallets to my parents' house. I don't have a forklift or a warehouse, so I'm hand unloading pallets, take over my entire bedroom, take over my sister's bedroom next door, the study in my parents' house. And it got to a point where I was literally loading up my car with boxes of supplements, driving to Adelaide Uni, dropping supplements off to customers, driving to UniSA, dropping supplements off, driving to Flinders Uni, dropping supplements off, a few other gyms around Adelaide. I was literally the guy selling supplements out the back of his car. And then I thought to myself, I'd been exposed to e-commerce when I was younger. I used to sell wristbands on eBay and iPods and all sorts of stuff. And I thought to myself, man, if there is this market here, just in South Australia, just in you know, the 25, 30 kilometers I can drive around, I'm selling pallets of stuff, there's gotta be a much bigger market in the rest of the country. So I set up the very first eBay store in the country to sell supplements back in the end of 2005, start of 2006, and the business just exploded. It just went completely gangbusters. Continued to do that for a few years, and then I remember very vividly, it was about 2008, and I came across this thing called Facebook. 
I remember I was up in the university suite at Adelaide Uni. A couple of my mates were writing on each other's walls. I was like, what is this? What are you guys, what's going on here? They said, this is Facebook, you gotta check this out. I set up an account and immediately I thought to myself, man, this is a great way to get the word out about my business. So I set up a fake profile back then. You couldn't have business pages back then. Set up a fake profile, called it Massive Joe, and uh, used that to continue to grow the business. And so this continued to happen while I was studying at university. I was at university for eight years, longer than I was at high school, just to put that in perspective for you guys, way too long. Um, but I got to the end of 2011, and I had effectively built a business that was doing multi-millions of dollars in turnover effectively as a hobby in my spare time while I was competing in bodybuilding, while I was, um, while I was uh, studying at the same time, and both quite difficult degrees. And so my first message to you guys is to lean into your curiosity, lean into your interests. If you have a plan, that's fantastic. Don't be so tunnel vision in your plan that you're afraid to lean into things that pique your interest. If I had enrolled in law and engineering and I was like, I'm gonna do, this is it, right? I'm gonna do one of these two things. I'm not interested in anything else. I'm not gonna pursue anything else. I would never have competed in bodybuilding. I would never have taken interest in supplements. I would never have taken interest in building a supplement business, opening an online store, using social media to build that business, and everything that's come from after that would never have happened. On the other side of things, if you're one of the guys that put your hand up and you say, no, I don't know what I'm gonna do next year moving forward, that's completely okay as well. Lean into things that grab your interest. Lean into things that grab your curiosity because often you can't see the path forward. You don't know what's gonna to lead to that, what's gonna to lead to this, what's gonna, I had no idea when I did my first bodybuilding show that would lead to what I do for a living today. It was impossible to see. The market wasn't even developed at that point. But I encourage you guys to just take that first step and lean into what piques your curiosity. Lean into what grabs your interest because often you just won't know what it can lead to and it can lead to some of the best things that'll ever happen to you. So I got a question for you guys, another question for you guys. As you are about to close this chapter on your life and you're about to open a completely new unknown chapter, you're gonna have a whole bunch of opportunity, a whole bunch of freedom, you know, this uh, school structure that you've been accustomed to since you were five, six years old is gonna be done and now into, into the real world, so to speak. What scares you guys? What are you most scared of? What do you most fear? Anybody got anything? Don't be afraid. Yep. Wasting time. Okay. Is that, is that a fear of trying something that doesn't work out perhaps? So fear of failure, pretty much. What else you guys got? What else you fear? What's scared? What keeps you up at night? Okay. Yeah. So maybe it's a similar sort of thing, like fear of failure, maybe a little bit of self-doubt in there. 100%. Yep, I feel you on that. One more. Yep, sorry, what was that? Okay, ending up in something that you're not passionate about, ending up in something that you feel like you've been forced into, 100%. Guys, I've had the incredible privilege of working with a lot of different people in the 16 or so years that I've been in business and through my mentoring and through people I've had on my podcasts, and I've been able to develop 
very good relationships with people that has led to a lot of open, honest, and vulnerable conversations. And often we talk about fears. We talk about the things that scare us the most. You know, and this is, uh, you know, you guys are 17 year, 18 year olds, right up to mid 20s, mid 30s, even people in their 50s. And the common thread that I've seen are three fears that prevent people from doing what it is they truly want to do. And I can absolutely guarantee you guys that you will come up against each one of these three fears at least once in your life, probably more like 10 to 50 times. You want to take a guess at what these three fears are? We did list one over here before. Fear of failure. Fear of failure is number one. The second one is fear of other people's opinions. And the third one is fear of inadequacy or self-doubt. So fear of failure, I'm going to start there because it's probably the most common. And it's interesting for me because I believe that inherently we, are, we don't fear failure. As humans, we don't fear failure. I believe it's something we're taught from quite a young age is that failure is bad and failure is something to be avoided at all costs. And if it's to be avoided at all costs, it's something that we need to fear. How many of you guys have seen a baby try and walk before? Everyone, right? The baby goes from crawling, they step up, take a few steps, eat dirt, fall over, get back up, take a few steps, fall over again. Baby fails time and time again trying to walk, but they don't fear falling over. They just get back up and they keep walking. And eventually, the baby learns how to walk. How many of you guys can ride a bicycle? Everyone, right? You guys remember what it was like learning to ride a bike? How many times you got on that bike, you fell over, you grazed your knee, grazed your elbow, maybe hurt your shoulder, whatever. You jump back on the bike, figure out, learn from the failure. Okay, maybe I put too much weight on this side. Maybe I was leaning back too far. You get back on the bike, you fall over again, right? You, you use the failure every time to learn, to develop, to grow, to get better. And eventually you can ride a bike. And once you've learned that skill, you never forget it. So I think inherently, we know that we don't fear failure. We use failure to progress. But at some point along the way, through societal structures, through Western culture, whatever it may be, we are taught to fear failure. We're taught that failure is bad. And unfortunately, for most of us, it's going to take confronting the fear of failure head on at some point in our adult life to really kind of drill down that realization. And for me, one of the biggest failures in my fitness, in my, my bodybuilding career, was in 2016. And let me tell you guys, have, how many of you have seen a bodybuilding show before? Oh, cool. Awesome. I wasn't expecting that. All right. So those of you who haven't, let me tell you, competing in a bodybuilding show is one of the most confronting things you can do. So picture this, right? You're on stage in front of hundreds, if not thousands of people at a show, and then whoever's watching on the live stream, you've got judges in front of you who are about to judge your physique. You're standing on stage, all tanned up, shaved, right, with budgie smugglers on, little undies, or in my, my category, we get to wear board shorts, so we cover a little bit more of our legs, and you're, you're, you're putting yourself 
out there in front of all of these people, hundreds if not thousands of people, you prepared for this show, if you've cheated on your diet, it's gonna show. If you've skipped on your cardio or skipped on your workouts, it's gonna show. There's absolutely nowhere to hide. It's one of the most confronting things you can do. And in 2016, I added even more pressure to an already confronting situation because for me, two years earlier in 2014, I went to, I won the state title, I went to a national show and I placed second in a national show. A year later, 2015, I won a state title. I went to the Amateur Olympia, which is a worldwide um, amateur show, placed third at the Amateur Olympia. Two weeks earlier in 2016, start of October, I won the state title again. I was getting ready to compete in this national show and it was my time. It was my time to win the, win the national title. It was my time to earn my pro status. It was my time to become a professional men's physique athlete. So there was a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure from the fitness community. There was a lot of pressure from my friends, my family, my work colleagues, my employees, my staff. And to add even more pressure through Massive Joe's, the Massive Joe's YouTube channel, I see a bunch of you guys have seen some videos. We created an entire series around that that detailed my preparation for that show and was supposed to climax in me winning the show, earning my pro status, and we had tens of thousands of people watching every single episode. So there was a whole bunch of pressure on this show. So we get to the day of the show. It was October 2016. I'd done everything I could do. Best shape of my life. My time, I was ready to go. Not only did I not win that show, but I didn't even place. I didn't even place in the top five. I took a massive step backwards in, in my, my career as a professional men's physique athlete. And I was forced, really for the first time in that area of my life, to confront failure head on. There was nowhere to hide. I, it, was, it was failure. This is what failure looks like. And so you know what I did? You know what realization I came to at that point, guys? I did what we inherently know we're supposed to do when we fail. I took the feedback from the judges. I took the feedback from who was there in the audience. And I got straight back to work. I actually went to the gym that night. The show, I was on stage at 10 p.m. I went to the gym at midnight. I was training at 1 a.m. in the morning. And I used the fuel of the failure to develop, to progress, to get better, I got straight back to work. And a year later, 2017, won the state show, won the national title, won the Oceania, won everything. Unanimous judge's decision, next men's physique professional athlete. So I encourage you guys, hopefully you don't have to go through confronting failure head on like I did. The fact of the matter is a lot of you guys are. That's gonna, it's, it's the only way it's gonna happen. But I encourage you guys, as best you can, to not fear failure, but to actually look forward to failure. Because without failure, there is no progress. If you're not willing to look failure right in the eye and fail, and then use the lesson to grow and develop and get better, you're going to stay exactly where you are. Without failure, there is no progress. Something else happened when I was forced to fall flat on my face and smack bang into failure. I realized that it wasn't actually the failure that I feared. You know what I actually feared? You know what was most confronting for me? It was, what are those thousands of people in the audience gonna say? 
what's my friends going to say when I get back to Adelaide? The competition was in Sydney. When I get back to Adelaide, what are they going to say? What's my family going to say? What are my employees going to say? What are the comments going to be on YouTube when that episode goes live or the news spreads that I, you know, I'd taken steps backward? What I actually feared was other people's opinions, which is the second fear that you guys are going to come up against that is going to prevent you from doing what you truly want to do. And that little comment about the nine to five, 100% other people's opinions. And this is a big one, guys. This is probably the biggest fear that you're going to confront, especially for us men, especially, especially for us men who have had the opportunity and the privilege of being educated in an institution like CBC. And the reason for it, guys, is there's a lot of pressure, right? There's a lot of pressure to conform to other people's opinions. You guys have probably heard this story before. I'm not going to spend too much time on it. But it's the old go to school, get good grades, go to university. Or if you don't go to university, go get an apprenticeship, get a good job, find a partner, get married, buy a house, have kids. Who knows that? Who feels that pressure? 100%. I feel, I remember that pressure when I was sitting in your exact same situation. Huge pressure. You know, my, my family background, on my mother's side, I'm Italian, on my father's side, Polish. Both sides of my family were brought to Australia through war-torn countries. Uh, the Polish side of my family fled when the Germans invaded Poland. The Italian side of my family fled during the war as well. Both ended up here, and that was the path. That was the golden path. That was the pressure. And I've confronted this many, many times throughout my life, as you guys will as well. And probably the biggest one for me was in 2011. So 2011, so picture this. I've just graduated from university. University is done, right? The way my degrees were structured, engineering was the first four years with some law electives. Law was the last four years. I was at university for eight years. 2011 comes along. I graduated from law with a first-class honors degree. Four years earlier, I graduated from engineering with a first-class honors degree. Did quite well at university. And when I graduated engineering, I was fortunate enough to land a job with the biggest oil and gas company here in South Australia, a company called Santos. That's just down the road here. That's where I used to work, big blue building. And uh, I was being paid incredibly well as a graduate engineer. I was earning six figures as a graduate engineer, literally, while I was still studying. And at the same time, I'd invested eight years of my life in study, right? This was not, you know, three or four years. This was a, almost a decade of my life. And of course, I accumulated a massive hex debt in the process. I had six figures of hex debt through studying both engineering and law. And then in my personal life, I was engaged to my high school sweetheart. We'd been together over 10 years at that point in time. We met in high school. Uh, we were engaged. We were going to get married. And there was so much pressure from my family, from my friends, from my fiance's family, from society in general, to close the door on this little hobby business that I built while I was at university, the little hobby of competing in bodybuilding shows that I was pursuing while I was at university. Just, it's time for that to go, right? Now it's time to have the good job, get married, buy a house, have kids, 
you know, that's the door you need to walk through. And I remember how intense the pressure from other people's opinions and often the opinions that matter most to us are the people who are closest to us, right? Our family in particular, our close friends in particular. And I remember how much pressure there was to go down that path. But I had a big problem with it. I had a big problem with it because I feared the nine to five, right? I had a big problem with it because I knew deep down inside that that wasn't gonna set my soul on fire. I knew deep down inside that that wasn't gonna make me truly happy. I knew deep down inside that that wasn't gonna fulfill me as a person. It wasn't what I wanted to do. So I made the very unconventional decision. And instead of closing the door on my business and, and my competing, I closed the door on my corporate career. I closed the door on my personal relationship at that point in time. I closed the door on everything that other people wanted me to do. And I opened the door on what I truly wanted to do as a person. And I remember how hard that decision was. And I remember having to confront those opinions of the people who mattered most to me, my family, my friends, my grandparents, my aunties, my uncles. I remember what that felt like. And a couple of things came out of that for me, guys. The first realization was that other people's opinions are just that. They're other people's opinions. It's not your opinion. You have no control over it. Other people are gonna think what they wanna think and there's nothing you can do to change it. But then what I discovered was a few years later, when those same people who had opinions against what I ended up deciding to do, saw me the happiest I've ever been, saw me the most fulfilled, saw me living life on my terms. You know what happened to those opinions that I feared the most? They changed. And this is the other thing, people's opinions change. People's opinions change over time. So I started to get support from the people who I cared most about because they saw the effect it was having on me. And I remember, and this is the, the advice that I wanna offer you guys when you come up against this fear of confronting other people's opinions. I remember a big driver for me when I made the decision, the unconventional decision to live life on my terms and make that decision was, I remember thinking about, you know what, when I get to the end of the journey that is life, right? When I get to the end of my life, what's gonna matter the most to me? Am I gonna be more concerned with what other people thought about how I live my life? Is that gonna matter to me? That, you know, I did what my grandparents wanted me to do, I did what my parents wanted me to do, I did what my friends wanted me to do. Is that gonna matter to me? When they're probably not gonna be there when I reach the end of this journey? Or is it gonna be more important to me that I live life on my terms and I live the happy, fulfilled, blissful, satisfied life? And that's what I fell back on. And that's what I encourage you guys to fall back on as well when you come up against this fear of what are the people closest to me gonna say when I do what's unconventional, when I do what I know deep down inside is what I truly wanna do. It's my life, I get one shot at this, this is not a dress rehearsal. You guys have to live life on your own terms. 
The third fear, the fear of inadequacy, also known as self-doubt, which tends to manifest itself, and you guys are going to experience this over the next year, I can guarantee it. I don't have the skills or the experience to do this. I don't know what I'm doing. I have no idea what I'm doing. I've never been in this situation before. How am I supposed to get through this? That is the fear of inadequacy. And for me, the most difficult part of my professional career as a businessman and being in business now for coming up to 17 years was about 18 months ago. Start of the pandemic, start of COVID-19. It swept the world. It disrupted international freight schedules. Gyms were shut along with a lot of other businesses, but for my business, gyms being shut was a, was a really big deal. People don't go to the gym, they don't use supplements, they're not buying activewear, it's a big problem. Stay-at-home orders were in place so people weren't leaving the house. We also saw the value of the Australian dollar completely collapse. And what all of this amounted to for me in my business and what I was exposed to was I saw in a period of 10 days, my top-line sales dropped by 60%. Now, for a business that does eight figures in turnover annually, you guys can do the math. That's a, that's a big deal. That's a big chunk of revenue, a big chunk of money that we were used to bringing in as a business that wasn't there. And there it was for me, fear of inadequacy, self-doubt. I had no idea what I was going to do. What, what do I do when every single thing that could possibly go wrong in my line of business goes wrong in a period of 10 days? I didn't know how I was going to pay my rents or my retail stores. I didn't know how I was going to pay my staff. I didn't know how I was going to pay my suppliers. I did not know what to do. I was a complete fish out of water. I had no idea what the path forward looked like. And I was completely out of my game. I didn't have the skills. I didn't have the experience. Fear of inadequacy, smack bang right in the face. Self-doubt, smack bang right in the face. And the way I dealt with it, guys, the way I moved forward through it was the only way I knew how. And that was to take one foot and put that foot in front of the other and make the best decision I could make at the time and then take the next foot and put that in front of the other and make the best decision I could at the time. And I made some, good, some really good decisions looking back and I made some really bad decisions looking back. But I didn't know any better. And this is the interesting thing with the fear of inadequacy. Whenever you guys come up against something for the first time, as you're about to, as you embark on the next chapter of your life, there's going to be a lot of first times for you guys. What's inherent in doing something for the first time is you don't have the skills or the experience to do it. You can't possibly. That's what makes it the first time. One of my favorite authors, um, she's a psychologist. Her name's Brene Brown. She is the worldwide authority on shame. She studies shame. And she's done a bunch of um, different talks and written a bunch of different books. And she has something that she calls the FFT. The first F, I'll let you guys use your imagination as to what that stands for. The second F stands for first, and the, the T stands for time. So it's the F, first time. And she says, whenever you come up against the FFT, the F first time, you're always going to experience self-doubt. You're always going to experience the fear of inadequacy. There's absolutely, there's no way to shortcut it. There's no way to short circuit it, to circumvent it. You have to go through it. You have to confront it. And you guys know 
what the antidote is to the fear of inadequacy. You know what the antidote is to self-doubt when you come up against that fear and it stops you in your tracks and you go, eh, not going to do that. Don't have the skills, don't have the experience, not sure what to do. The antidote is courage. The antidote is having the courage to go, you know what? I don't have the skills, I don't have the experience, but I know in myself that if I take one step after the other, after the other, I'll figure it out. I have the courage to go forward without knowing what the path looks like. I have the courage to go forward without any guarantee of success. So whenever you guys come up against the fear of inadequacy, whenever you come up against that fear of self-doubt, whenever you're in a position where it's like, I have no idea what I'm doing, I'm a complete fish out of water, I don't know what the next step is, have the courage to take the next step and know that you'll develop the skills and the experience to get through it. So guys, one thing I can guarantee for all of you is that you can have all the plans in the world. Those of you who popped your hand up right at the start of this talk and you said, you know what, I got a plan, I'm going to uni, going to trade school, I'm gonna go pursue professional sports, I'm gonna go and do something creative, I'm gonna do something in the performing arts, whatever that looks like. You have all the plans in the world. Sometimes those plans aren't gonna to go to plan. Sometimes the universe is gonna throw something at you from left field, completely unexpected, punch you straight in the face. And for those of you who don't have plans, you don't escape that either, right? Just because you don't have plans doesn't mean that the universe isn't gonna throw something at you that's completely unexpected from left field that's gonna punch you straight in the face. And I have this little mindset around how I approach things that are outside of my control, how I approach things that I didn't plan for, how I approach the punches in the face. And I want you guys to understand that no matter what happens, no matter what gets thrown at you, you have two choices. The first choice is you can perceive things as happening as good or bad. Things don't care, they just happen. The pandemic just happened, right? Something that happens in your life that is not what you planned, it just happened. It doesn't care if it's good or bad, it doesn't know if it's good or bad, that's on you. You get to decide whether you perceive things that happen as good or bad. The second thing you get to decide, and this one's super important, is you get to perceive things that happen as happening to you, meaning that you're just a sitting duck, completely out of your control, and a big wave comes along and flips you over. You get to, you can make that the choice. You can say things happen to me, or you get to choose to perceive things as happening for you, meaning that things that are outside of your control that you didn't anticipate are actually pushing you in the direction of your life that you're actually truly meant to go. You just don't know that just yet. So one of the things that I do personally is I have this mantra or affirmation, whatever you want to call it, mindset really, internal dialogue, where I say only good things happen for me. Only good things happen for me. That's how I choose to perceive whatever comes in my direction. And a great example is what happened when I was 18 years old. When I was planning my professional basketball career, when I developed that injury, I felt at the time that that was the baddest thing that could have happened and it happened to me and the whole situation was a disaster. But now looking back on that, it was actually the best thing that's ever happened to me. 
and it happened for me because it pushed my life in the direction of where I was truly meant to go, which has led to me being right here, right now, talking to you guys. Only good things happen for me. And right now, with everything that we're going through, wearing masks in, uh, in class, the pandemic, all of these border restrictions, travel restrictions, you know, all of this, you can choose to go, you know what, this pandemic, it's really bad, it's happening to me, I hate it. Or you can choose to say, you know what, I don't know how this is gonna play out, but I'm gonna choose to believe that this is something good and this is happening for me. And at some point down the road, I'll be able to figure out how it all joins together. And one final thought that I wanna leave you guys with. Who's heard of a company called Apple? Pop your hands up. All right, leave them up, leave them up, leave them up. Keep your hand up if you guys have heard of a guy called Steve Jobs. Oh, good, excellent. All right, now keep your hand up if you've listened or watched Steve Jobs' Stanford commencement speech. Hey, I was not expecting that. Good for you guys. One of my favorite speeches of all time is Steve Jobs' Stanford commencement speech. Those of you who have listened, you'll be familiar. Those of you who haven't, I suggest that you, know, you go home tonight, just Google it real quick. You can watch it, listen to it. It goes for about 10, 15 minutes. For those of you who don't know, Steve Jobs obviously started Apple. He's the founder of Apple. Him and Steve Wozniak started Apple in, the, in a garage in the 1970s, Cupertino in uh, California in the US. Built that from nothing to, I think at the time it was a multi-billion dollar company in 1985. And Steve Jobs brought in a CEO. He at the time was the CEO of Pepsi. His name was uh, John Scully. He brought him in to kind of take Apple to the next level. And you know what John Scully did? He fired Steve Jobs. Fired Steve Jobs from his own company. Fired the guy who built Apple from his own company. Can you guys imagine what that would feel like? Being fired from your own company? And in the Stanford commencement speech, Steve says it was the worst thing that had ever happened to him. It was the worst thing that he could ever have envisioned happening to him. Bad happening to him. Not good happening for him, bad happening to him. But then he goes on and he says, you know what that led to? Led to me starting a computer company called Next. Led to me starting an animation studio called Pixar, which is now one of the biggest animation studios in the world. Led to all of these amazing things in my life. And as history would have it, once Steve left Apple, Apple started going seriously backwards, uh, was 90 days away from bankruptcy. The Apple we know today was 90 days away from not being in existence. Apple buys Next Computer, which was Steve's next company. Steve comes back into Apple, resumes the reins, takes the reins of the company, turns the company around, restructures, launches the iPod, launches the iPad, launches the iPhone, launches the iMac, and the rest is history. And in the Stanford commencement speech, Steve says, you can never join the dots of your life looking forward. You can't possibly know how different things that happen along the way are gonna connect to get you to certain points. No one has a crystal ball, you can't know. He says, you can always join the dots looking backwards. And he says, if I never got fired from Apple, I would never have started next we never have started Pixar, we never have gone back to Apple, launched the iPad, 
iPad, iPhone, everything that, that happened from then on. So he says, you can never join the dots of your life looking forward. You can only ever join them looking back. And he says, you have to have faith in something. It can be religion, it can be karma, it can be anything you want to call it. What I choose to call it, guys, I choose to call only good things happen for me. And I can absolutely guarantee you guys that whatever the next chapter of your life looks like, whatever the universe throws at you, whether your plans go to plan, whether they don't go to plan, whether you don't have plans, you don't know what you're going to do. I can guarantee you guys that if you adopt the mindset that only good things happen for you, only good things will. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to this episode. We hope you enjoyed listening. A couple of things to round out. Firstly, if you've yet to subscribe to the Fitness Times Business Podcast on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure you do that right now so you don't miss any future episodes. Secondly, if you guys took some value from this episode, the one thing we ask in return is that you share the show. And finally, if you've yet to leave us a five-star rating, make sure you do that before the next episode.